0: World's Finest Podcast, Episode 28. James Doe, and with me, as always, is Michael David Sims. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. I really am. Good. I, I have. This is my first. Well, the day this airs will be the first day off for me in literally since last Tuesday. So, I'm gonna be sleeping maybe till about two thirty, three in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I've been doing a lot of writing lately, so. Because school is out and I have time for it.
1: Yeah, I was wondering. I was wondering what was up with that. What What did you send me? Like three or four reviews, all in like the span of a day. Yeah. You sent me what? Uh, I'm trying to remember. You, how many things did you send me? Was it three or four?
0: Three. Three. Uh, one of them is a collab with with Dubs, and uh-huh. the other one's my my latest my latest solo tirades article and a Super Smash Brothers art, uh, brawl article or yeah. review.
1: Yeah, I was like, wow, wh- wh- where did James get all this time and energy from? Not that I mind. I was just curious.
0: <laughs> <sighs> uh, I'm glad school's out. I needed I needed the break. <laughs> Cuz I'm getting so many more hours at work lately. Uh,
1: that is true. Yeah. Uh,
0: so and, what else? Um, I was I was going to say, I'm hoping to uh start a uh E2 podcast segment uh at some point dedicated to music and geek culture like oh. video games and tv shows and you know the like
2: very cool that's
1: cool so i can't wait. Hopefully, to...
0: I can, hopefully i can get that like kind of up and running within the next month or two
1: yeah how often would you plan on doing that
0: not really sure because they won't really take a whole lot of time to compose uh no pun intended
1: yeah
0: and uh so i might be able to do them uh pretty frequently
1: Cool. And would you do them solo, or would you have a co-host? Because the only reason I ask is because in the past, and you've said this off the air and on the air, you're always a little hesitant to do solo review series, audio ones, I mean.
0: This I think I could do solo because my plan, my tentative plan, is to uh, talk a little bit, then play a song, talk a little bit, play a song, oh. kind of like that. And I, I I won't be droning on and on and on and on. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be they'll be broken up by some very... In my opinion, great music. Oh, very cool. So that's the plan. Excellent. So, uh, and you, uh, same as usual?
1: <laughs> uh, pretty much. So I'm a little pissed off right now because I just watched uh, uh, American Idol. And uh, I don't know why I keep watching this show. You know, I watched like the first uh, four or five seasons, and then I skipped one or two, and then Jen and I, we started watching again this season. And I'm tired of the judges constantly stroking David Archuleta's cock. This guy sings the same song every week with the same monotone voice all the time. And if this were anybody else, they would have said, you got to get outside your box. You're, you're not doing anything new. We've heard this before. They would have totally panned him. But because for whatever reason they latched themselves onto him real early on, they, they're, they're gonna make him the winner. He's gonna win this damn competition when he doesn't deserve it, and it ticks me off. You know, I've resigned myself to the fact that the person I want to win, you know, isn't gonna win, but I still think she, so it's obviously Saisha, should go farther than Archuleta. I think Archuleta should have been shit canned on like, I think it was like week nine, or something like that. Not week nine, but, uh, when there were still like nine left, is what I mean. Cause I think that was the week when he forgot the lyrics. Right there in the middle of this song, He fumbled over the lyrics and just stared at the camera like a deer in the headlights because he didn't know what to do. And they were all like, oh, that's okay, you know, but next time you got to keep singing. Anybody else, They, you know, I I thought they would have railed against, but I guess we saw their contestants forget the lyrics, and they really didn't rail against them, so I guess I'm a little wrong there. But still, the point is, I'm tired of them, tired of them not criticizing him. Even when he completely, he's completely flat and all this and that, it just, it just makes me sick. It, Cause it, it's very clear what they're doing. They want him to win, and they're not gonna jeopardize that by saying anything overly negative. Every now and then they'll give him a little bit of criticism, but it's like sugar-coated. You know, uh it, it gets, it's under, it gets under my skin. I hate it. I hate it. I'm really hoping, uh, tomorrow, well, when this episode airs today, um You know, because they're going to bring it down to the final two. I hope he's the surprise cut. I really do. I hope it ends up being uh, David Cook and Saisha. I really do. Because Archuleta is so overrated. So overrated.
0: Oh, that's my soapbox. Yeah, I've never watched an episode of American Idol ever, so I have no idea who any of these people are.
1: (laughs) See, I don't even know why I watch it, because I'm not, like, really into that kind of music. You know, my favorite band of all time is Guns N' Roses. Um, I think the greatest band of all time is Queen. Um yeah, I mean Queen's been performed on American Idol, but it's not still not Queen. You know, it's kind of a you know, there's a that's different hard kind to of imitate Queen. On. Yeah. Queen, in my opinion, is the one band you never cover. Ever, period, full stop. I mean, that's it.
0: I'll add I'll add Jethro told her that just because because they're so complicated and they've okay. been around for 40, 40 years now. Right.
1: So but yeah, I mean, there are certain bands, certain performers. You just do not attempt to duplicate. And in my opinion, Queens, one of them, um, I think, uh, I would say most of Michael Jackson's catalog is the same way. Um, so th- that's the kind of music I like. So I don't know why I watch this show. I I, I don't get it. You know, I, cause it's not like I vote. I don't vote. I just sit there and watch and I complain about a little 16-year-old doing better than everybody else when he's really doing worse than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, But anyways, like I said, I'll get off my soapbox. I will. I swear. <laughs> uh, should we get to some
0: emails? <laughs> uh, let's see. Our first one today is from Mike, who writes, uh, have you guys watched any other cartoons besides DCAU? Never. Uh, yeah. I, I. What are... There are other cartoons besides the DCAU? Yeah, yeah. The I, I, don't, thought.
1: I don't know what you're talking
0: about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Transformers G1 1984 or Beast Wars or Beast Machines. If so, I'd love to see a complete rundown of those shows as a podcast with you guys doing it maybe after WFP ends. We've actually been getting a lot of people uh, <laughs> wondering what's going to happen after WFP ends, and I keep... Telling these people, look, it's not going to end for at least two more years. Yeah,
1: it's it's easily two to three years at this point. I mean, I'm glad that people want us to, you know, they want to keep the band together, so to speak. Um. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, we'll cross that bridge <laughs> when we come to it, people. <laughs> you know, we're not ending the show anytime soon, so don't worry about what we're doing next. Um, but to answer Michael's question there, um, growing up, you know, as a, as a child of the 80s, um, I much preferred G.I. Joe to Transformers. That doesn't mean I dislike the Transformers. I, I distinctly remember seeing the Transformers movie, I mean the cartoon movie, uh, not the abysmal live-action one from last year, um, in the theater. Um, so I was a fan, but I'm more of a G.I. Joe guy. Um, and if you want the truth, I liked GoBots better than Transformers. I know, I know, the hate mail's gonna come in! But I did, I liked the GoBots better, I even liked, uh, I don't know how many people are gonna remember this cartoon, but I liked Mask better than Transformers. Um, what about you?
0: As for me, four words. Teenage Mutant (laughs) Ninja Turtles. That was, I, you talk about an avid fan, I was the uber ninja turtle fanboy back in the 80s mm-hmm. i'm not i'm what i'm what five years younger than you but i was still like i grew up watching cartoons in the 80s and i was just hooked to the tv whenever ninja turtles was on yeah so that would actually be something i would be interested in doing too if somewhere down the road yeah but you know i mean we can come to that whenever this you know ends in about a decade
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh what other cartoons were you into uh, now that we're on this subject. Me, uh, I was into the Turtles, just like you. I was into the real Ghostbusters. Um, Garfield was another one I loved. Um, He-Man, of course. So what about you? Uh,
0: let's see. Of course, the uh, the uh, X-Men cartoon from the oh, early 90s.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: God, I love that show. I've, at some point... I may or may not have downloaded most of the episodes uh <laughs> yeah. of X-Men.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I may or may not have done something similar.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's, it was really kind of cool to see how the, uh the animation kind of just drastically changed from season one to season five, because there were only five seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the animation is like night and day, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. Yeah. I have to admit, but, uh, you know, that's just me with my animation uh, tendencies here. Uh, well, and, uh, while we're on the X-Men,
1: just real quick, what do you think about the uh, upcoming uh, Wolverine in the X-Men? I, I know you've seen the trailer for
0: it. I think it looks awesome. It does, I really do. doesn't it? I, I, can, I cannot wait. I really cannot wait. Stephen Blum is one of the best voice actors out there. Mm. I don't think he has quite the range that a lot of other voice actors do, but he's got one of those those memorable voices that you know when you hear it, you know that's who's doing the voice. Mm. And uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, uh, he has voiced numerous uh, popular an- anime characters, such as Spike Spiegel and Cowboy Bebop, and uh, Ikichi Onizuka and Great Teacher Onizuka. So, uh, yeah, I'm lo- really looking forward to his portrayal of Wolverine.
1: Mm. Yeah, for, to yeah. me, that cartoon looks very much like a spiritual successor of the 90s X-Men cartoon. I mean, I, I, I'd i love it if it was actually a sequel, like it just picks up, you know, five, six, seven years later. I know they're yeah. not going to do that, but it's seriously, there's parts of it that look like the 90s cartoon. And there's other parts of it that look like that. uh You remember X-Men Evolution, which was on, uh, I think, a couple of years ago.
0: Yeah, I only saw a few episodes of that.
1: Yeah, it kind of looks like an amalgamation of those two shows. So I am super psyched for that one. Uh What else? What else did you watch? Mm-hmm. I assume you watched the Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s as well.
0: Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw. I, th- I would say at least 90 percent of the episodes of that show.
1: Mm-hmm. I also may or may not have those. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, I swear. If I weren't so tired, I could probably be remembering a lot of other cartoons I watched. But uh, and I feel bad because, I mean, of course, there's Inspector Gadget. Oh yeah. And uh, I was I, <laughs> when I was a kid, I wanted to be Inspector Gadget. Not quite as stupid as he was and clueless as he was, but I wanted to be Inspector Gadget. I wanted the claw arm and the and the the helicopter coming out of my hat. Oh, I love that cartoon so much.
1: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit it. I know I've said it elsewhere, but I'm gonna admit it on here. I had a crush on Penny.
0: <laughs>
1: Growing up, I had a crush on Penny. Yes, yeah, a crush on a cartoon character. I know, but come on, I was a kid, and she was this cute little brainy girl. I mean, she had that awesome book that was a laptop and. You know, she had. You know, she was the one that was actually solving the crimes, and it wasn't gadget. And she had, you know, her cool sidekick dog. I mean, it, she she was the best. I loved her so
0: much. Oh. Who didn't? Who didn't want that laptop book computer? I know. I know. I still want it.
1: <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> Oh, I know I know that when we're done recording, I'm gonna think of a million other cartoons I loved oh, God, watching. yeah. I, and not just in my youth. I mean let's let's talk about now. There's the Fairly Odd Parents. That's great. I love, I love that show. I love SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes, it can get annoying, but I still love it. Um the Boondocks, I liked the first season, not so much what they did with the second season. Um what are some other current cartoons that Okay, the first Foster's. nine or, what's that?
0: Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends.
1: Sure. Yeah, the first nine or ten seasons of The Simpsons are just excellent television. Um, The Flintstones. Let's get classic. There's nothing after that. We'll just say, you know, like I said, Mm -hmm. let's go classic. We could we could bring up the Flintstones, Casper, the the old unedited Tom and Jerry's. I mean, there there there's so many great cartoons out there.
0: Yeah, I'm an eternal Looney Tunes fan. Okay, our next one is from um, Sorvigalova. I believe, if I, if I pronounce that wrong, I, s- I sincerely apologize. Uh, hey, Mike and James, this truly has been the best WFP episode yet, referring to our last one. In terms of the universe, you've made quite a comeback to the Batman epics with this review. The only thing I don't get is how come Lois, the top reporter, cannot do anything in terms of realizing that Superman is at her face all the freaking time, because unlike Batman, Clark doesn't wear a mask. Same goes for Bruce. If you've been keeping tabs on Superman the guy that works with Lois should at least be one of his suspects to wear the Superman tights. I'm very thankful that Mike's welcome on on starting the characters being described project uh, has met its volunteers, and now I can't even wait for the... and I can't wait for the outcome, excuse me. But again, an awesome review. Keep it up. Waiting for more episodes, Dimitri.
1: Um, A lot of people will claim that the reason people can't figure out that Clark is Superman is, uh, you know, Clark... Okay, he doesn't so much do it here in the cartoon, but if you watch the Christopher Reeve Superman movie, Christopher Reeve was such a wonderful actor. If you look at the way he portrayed Clark Kent and you look at the way he portrayed Superman, they were two different characters. Superman stood tall. He was proud. He just radiated confidence and energy. Clark... He really looked completely different in the in the suit that was just a little too big for him. He, he hunched his shoulders. His glasses were constantly slipping. His hair was different. They really did look different. Um, I don't think other actors have, have pulled it off as successfully as him. And I don't think it's really translated well to the comics or to the cartoons. But that is an argument you can make. Um, do I buy that one? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't.
0: And our next one is from Chris, who writes, Thanks for reviewing my email on the show, but I still scoff in <laughs> capital letters at your defense.
1: Oh, I, totally I wonder see... what this is about.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I can so, uh, totally see 80s goons who enjoy having, a fun, having fun in a twisted sense of humor destroying an art gallery to Prince music. Joker's personality was believable. It's just like eccentric people we see today. I can believe someone that would, that would be that eccentric and still be seriously, quote-unquote, evil and intending harm. Nicholson's Joker was serious, and so were his goons. Perhaps that's why I consider it non-camp. In contrast, Schumacher had a silly Two-Face who at many times was not, not serious in his laughing, threats, dialogue, etc. Same with Riddler. Mr. Freeze doesn't even deserve mention. No. Uh, okay. see, the thing, thing I had with Two-Face is he, he was just Joker light. Yeah, and I mean, was just, me just
1: playing the Joker. That's all he was doing. Yes. So.
0: Two-Face should never, ever act like that. Uh-uh.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, if I remember correctly, wasn't there a scene where he just kept flipping the coin until he got the result he wanted? Yeah. I mean, that's not Two-Face. If the coin comes up, heads, and heads means the person lives, well, tough titties. That's the way it is. So, oh, getting back to uh the Joker and his goons dancing around to Prince in a museum while trashing it. You know, I'm not saying it's unbelievable, I guess. I'm just saying it is campy. That's all I'm saying. Just look at that scene. That's really campy. It is. Admit it, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I hate to say it. I really do. Because um, I'm not a fan of the phrase. But this is just an instance where we're just going to have to agree to disagree. real, You know, I've got my opinion about the movie, and it's a very strong opinion. And it appears everybody else in the world has a different opinion than I do. <laughs> and they have very strong feelings about it. So it, we're just never going to see eye to eye on it. I What I say is camp, they say isn't. What I say Schumacher was building on, they say, uh, you know, he, 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 none of that stuff was there to begin with. So I'm not conceding the point, but I'm just asking, please stop with the emails. <laughs>
0: Firstly, to say that Schumacher builds on what Burton did implies a respect and continuity with Burton's reality and take, not simply use some of the same cast and history, but place them in a ridiculous new setting with ridiculous norms and standards. Building on means what was, what was is still there with things added. X3's director built on what Singer did in X1 and X2. In contrast, Schumacher did not build on B1 and B2, he hijacked the franchise and recreated his own. Basically, he raped it and had his own kid. So, oh, yeah, instead of using construction terms, if you would have used raping terms, I might have agreed with you. Yours truly, dial down the cursing, please, Chris Matt.
1: He says dial down the cursing, and he's talking about using raping terms.
0: That...
1: <laughs> <sighs> I love our listeners. I love you all, and I truly mean that. I'm not being oh, funny. <laughs> Oh, Christ, oh that's man. A laughing fit. Oh my god. Oh.
0: Uh, um, yeah. We, and we've already addressed the cursing thing on like ten episodes ago. So
1: I, I can't. It's it's like you know I I just can't stop. Um. But anyways, uh, what you have to remember about the third Batman film, I think it was the third one. Um, Burton produced it. He did. So. You know, if if you don't like it, and a lot of people don't, and I understand that, you know, Schumacher's got to take a lot of the blame, but he can't take all of it because Burton was still there. He still had his hand in the pie. So he's got to take some of the blame there, too. That's all I'm saying.
0: Okay. Next email is from Nate, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, I couldn't remember which of you, if any, saw Superman Doomsday. That would be me. But I just rented it and thought it was pretty decent. I think you guys should watch it, even though it isn't in continuity and has many universe flaws. I thought the action was pretty awesome, and it was pretty gruesome at that. Doomsday actually cracks a guy's skull, and Superman grabs Doomsday by the upper jaw and hurls him through three buildings. I noticed that they carry the soder brand soda over from Superman the Animated Series.
1: That's, That's actually not just from Superman the Animated Series. That's actually from the comics.
0: Aside from the fact that Lois finds out that Clark is Superman in like an hour, and that the movie isn't about Superman Doomsday, it's about Superman cloned Superman, it's a pretty cool movie. It was also directed, produced, and written by Bruce Tim, I think. All I know for sure is that he or Dean needed a lot of the work on the movie's production. See, I never said Superman Doomsday was a bad movie. I said it was disappointing.
1: Uh,
0: and I stand by that to this, to this moment. Uh, yeah, you gave it, the,
1: like What, like a 5 out of 10 or something?
0: I mean, yeah, I think would
1: have been a, what, like, a, I think at your tirades are great on a 100 point scale, but. Yeah, so it was about you know. 5 yeah.
0: out of 10 yeah. on my scale. It's just, it's average. It's, there's, uh, there's, the action is great. Although I do have a problem with the action in that Superman could have, could have, like, hurled Doomsday away from Metropolis numerous times, and he continues to fight him there, at uh, probably killing thousands of people with all the, you know, throwing him through the buildings and causing numerous craters in the city. It's, Especially at the, when he finally kills Doomsday. He, he just plummets him into the middle of Metropolis. There's no telling how many people he killed just from that shockwave.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and the violence, while cool, I think is used as a crutch. It really is because there's so many moments where there's violence, where it's just for the sake of violence for shock value. There, it's just, there's, no, there's several moments where there's just no point to it. It's just violence for the sake of violence and not that i'm against that per se it's just in the crook in the context of this movie there it's just there um but like i said there are you know there are tons of cool moments like where uh the clone superman removes that lead casing from his brain ooh, ooh, ooh. that was that was that was uh <laughs> i think the the lady fainting in the background while he's doing it just says it all <laughs> um but yeah and uh, and my, i think my one of my biggest gripes was Anne Heche's voice acting. And Mike can back me up on that one.
1: Yeah, just I... Just uh,
0: way too fast. Way, 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 way too fast. She talks too damn fast.
1: Yeah, I only saw the first few minutes of that movie, and everything she said was just flying out of her mouth. Oy. So, oh
0: yeah, not not a bad movie. Just, you know, as dubs would say, remarkably average.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, continuing on, he says, Just saw Mixie's pixelated. I thought it was pretty witty on Superman's part of how to get rid of Mixie. Mixie actually reminded me of Elmer Fudd, just with a high and more annoying voice. I'm surprised that you guys didn't get annoyed by Mixie's voice when you got annoyed by Livewire's. That's uh, because Mixie's an imp. Yeah. It's, it's allowable.
1: Right, yeah. Livewire isn't supposed to be annoying in that way, but she totally is. Where Mixie is supposed to be annoying, and it works, so he ends up becoming sort of lovable in a weird way. You know, also, is supposed to be this dangerous villain. Mixie isn't. Mixie's supposed yeah. to be played for gags. That's why it's the, like, I think their only comedy episode. So, I mean, you, you, you see it right there. He's supposed to get laughs. She's supposed to... We're supposed to shudder at her, but we don't. We just roll our eyes at her and wish well, she'd shut up.
0: Well, we. Sh- I, I shuddered at the voice acting.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm.
0: Anyway, writes, uh, continues on. Also saw Batman, the animated series episode, The Clock King. Hate the Clock King, <laughs> anal retentive much? He was so annoying. I thought the episode was somewhat crappy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's a character based on time. He's It kind of goes with the territory. <laughs> Thanks for the email. Uh Let's see, our next one is from Nick from Germany, who writes, Hey, guys, would you c- uh, consider reviewing the DCAU comic books? I'm a huge fan.
1: We've spoken about that off the air, haven't we?
0: Yeah, we way back near I think around episode 4 or 5 of Yeah. WP. Yeah.
1: Um I don't think it's something we're going to do on the air. We're just going to focus on the cartoons and the webtoons. Um but there's the potential for the comics to be reviewed for worldfinestpodcast.com. Um you know, if there's anybody out there who would like to review the comics for the website you got our email ad- address, so write in and uh, let us know if you want to do that, because I'd love to put up some reviews on there.
0: So, there you go. We'll probably, re- and like I said, we'll, we might reference them, especially during Gotham Nights.
1: Yeah, uh, there's, there's an episode coming up where we pretty much have to reference what happened in the comics. So, yeah, yeah. full-on reviews on the podcast, no, but referenced,
0: yeah. Okay, and the next one is from our good friend Nick, who writes, Mike and James, episode 27 was almost on par with your Mask of the Phantasm review. The reason being, there were nit, nit uh, nitpicks which irk me. On World's Finest, I consider it an- as another movie in the DCIU D- About Joker's kills, he murdered billions of people in this with the Lex Wing. I used to pause the moment where he, where it flies in front of the moon. Billions of people in a city? In uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Hmm. Well, well, millions, maybe. Billions, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: On the issue of terrorists accessing Air Force One, this aired in the 90s, pre-9-11. So I see it as a reflection of how vulnerable we were back then. But on your gripe, I buy that they could have posed as workmen slash repairmen at the airport.
1: But see, that's the thing. that That's what I was getting at, is when we saw them all around the president and running around the press uh, area, they all shouldn't have had, you know, uniforms, or a common uniform. Some of them should have been dressed up as stewardesses. Some should have been dressed like the pilot. Some should have been, I don't know.
0: sky just, caps. Yeah,
1: the sky skycaps. Some maybe even dressed as passengers. But no, they all had some weird kind of, you know, jumpsuit thing on. It just didn't work for me.
0: Uh, about Superman putting others before before himself, Clark in Smallville said towards the end of the season that Lana is still important, secondary to saving the world. I huh. want to beat Clark with a kryptonite tonight that. <laughs> uh, love the I, scene with Joker and Luth- oh I'm sorry
1: I was just going to say I wish the Joker would beat him with a kryptonite crowbar
2: <laughs> oh,
0: <that's>, oh. <laughs> you love that crowbar don't you I love the crowbar <laughs> uh, uh, love the scene with Joker and Luthor Lex is sitting like a rock and Joker is the only object moving around in the car funny Clark sucks at informants I mean by Bibbo <laughs> that's true he really does. <laughs> You'd think he'd learn his lesson by now, but... Oh, well, Bibbo must be just so damn lovable. Yeah. On the first meeting between The Dark Knight and The Man of Steel, I always take Batman's side of it like, Who do you think you are? You don't tell me how to do my job. Stay out of my way. I will agree that Bruce surviving the Joker encounter was a bit of a stretch. Would have been better if his clothes were torn off and had scuff marks just to show some semblance of an injury, yeah. but, like, maybe a dislocated shoulder or gunshot wound. Um... On James about Joker being broke, I think he was spending money that Luthor paid him like he does later on in Joker's Millions with the King Barlow cash. Him owning Superman is awesome with the freaky alien music in the background. I agree. Batman showing his hatred for the Joker physically, throwing the kryptonite at the TV like, Shut up! (laughs) Uh, I think Turpin was going to start swearing like Lobo when talking to the Joker. Mm. The gun that Mercy uses was supposed to be a Jack Kirby-style weapon, which the creators of the DCAU are, of course, huge fans of.
1: I don't, I don't know. I mean, it looked more Feldian than Kirbyian to me. Um, Kirby's guns were, yeah, they, they were outlandish, but they didn't quite look like that, I don't think. So, I don't know. I don't know if I can call that thing uh, Kirby-inspired.
0: The catfight rules. Joker was questioned to Harley after the meeting was, how you doing, slugger? And you missed the line where Bruce says to Clark, well, don't keep us in suspense. Mm-hmm. See, I, that was the thing. I could not understand what what Hamill was saying there, how you doing, and, and then the word after he says that I completely blanked on because I could not remember what he said. Hamill? Okay.
1: what? What? Hamill. Joker. Oh. Yeah, Mark Hamill. Oh, oh, sorry. sorry. I thought you meant the Professor Hamilton. That's so why I was like, what are you talking oh, no, about? Oh, no, 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 no.
0: <laughs> no, another voice acting thing there. It was just I couldn't understand what he said. Uh, mm. Even watching it to this day I just can't I can't understand the word he says. But anyway, uh the Batman and Luthor encounter was great cuz Luthor fears no one but him. My brother and I discussed that uh discussed this that Lex would be a great Batman villain. Mm. And I agree. I think uh the the Wayne Luthor uh rivalry in the comics uh in many ways is better than the Superman Luthor dynamic.
1: Yeah, they tried introducing Lex Luthor into Gotham City um after That's No
0: Man's Land. No Man's Land. Land.
1: Yep. Yeah, where Luthor started building up, rebuilding Gotham. And I don't remember going anywhere. I just remember him popping up. And I remember one particular cover where it's kind of like this... uh you know, uh what's the what's the word I'm looking for, like a worm's eye view. You know, we're looking up at Luthor. He's got a blueprint in his hand, and we can kind of see the skyline getting rebuilt. It's a great cover. And then all of a sudden, he was just back to being a Superman villain. I, I, I'd I love to see not Luthor Batman, but Luthor Wayne. Yeah. Both of them vying for control of, of Gotham. That's awesome.
0: On the subject of men hitting women, James Forgot Mask of the Phantasm, Joker and Andrea at the end? Yep, I did. Guilty as charged. In Pretty Poison, Batman kicks Ivy upside the head and in Almost Got Him, he hits her in the forehead when she tries to unmask him.
2: Mm, That's true. Hmm.
0: Love Lois' expression of fear when Batman swoops towards her. About Batman's claws, he got that from Catwoman. You learn from your enemy.
1: Mm.
0: About Wayne getting grilled, I understand, but I disagree because you were overstating it. Mike, I'll let you handle this one.
1: Wait, so you (laughs) understand... When this email came in, I was like, what the hell does that mean? Um... So you understand what I'm saying when I say that that Wayne should have also gotten under the spotlight, Um, that that Luthor shouldn't have taken the full full, uh, brunt of the investigation, but you're going to disagree with me because I overstated it? I don't understand what you mean by that. I I don't understand how I overstated it. I went back and I listened to the episode, it's somewhere in like the last 10 minutes of uh, episode 27, and... I don't think I overstated it all. I just made what I felt was a really good case for, uh, uh, you know, Wayne, not Wayne's guilt, but, uh, you know, uh, what what an investigator could have used to put Wayne under the microscope. So, yeah, right back in and let me know what you mean by I overstated it.
2: holiday time and we're hiding out in this dingy rat trap. No presents, no fun, no nothing. Can't we at least get a Christmas tree?
1: What? And support the mad campaign of botanical genocide that grips this country every December? Ah, But
2: Christmas trees are so bright and fun and pretty. Oh, please, please, please. (laughs) Calm down, Harl. I've got a little plan that will make this the happiest holiday ever.
0: First up today, uh, we'll be discussing an episode of Gotham Nights. Uh, and the first episode uh, in the series is titled Holiday Nights. Uh, what we get here is really just kind of a three-vignette episode. There's, uh, like, each are about eight minutes long. Uh, the first, and they're all kind of Christmas-slash-New Year's-themed, despite the fact that this debuted in September of 97, but I digress. The uh first vignette involves ivy and harley forcing bruce wayne to take them on a shopping spree after ivy kisses bruce with uh tainted lipstick and they kind of somehow it controls his mind and eventually he he snaps out of it and he gets away and he has to chase them around a department store and stop them uh the second vignette uh involves batgirl taking on clayface who is uh, disguised himself as several children uh like shoplifting a store and she has to like knock him into an ice rink or something and electrocute him it's really weird and the uh, the third vignette involves Batman uh taking on the Joker with uh the new Robin who for some reason debuts here uh and debuts in the next Gotham Knights episode uh-huh. so yeah uh I'm conf- this episode just confused the hell out of me
1: I'm going to give you my reaction in one word. And I'm not even sure it's a word.
0: <sighs> Can you just say sigh.
1: Yeah, I mean this whole episode bored the shit out of me. Now, I will fully admit that when I sat down to watch the three uh Batman episodes, and I don't mean these three vignettes, I mean all three episodes that we're going to cover today, um I was in a grumpy mood. I was I was very much in a mood but I tried to set that aside you know and I just tried to enjoy the the episodes for what they were but uh, uh, I it, it still bored the hell out of me you know I wanted to sit down and enjoy these and hopefully get out of the funk I was in and it did the opposite it just made me grumpier because they they, they weren't these three I'm going to tell you right now all three of them that we're going to cover today uh did nothing for me. They weren't as exciting as I remember them being. Um, but, I don't know. What about you?
0: Well, immediately I had to ask, how did we never get any kind of explanation as to how Joker survived the Lexwing incident? Right. And that really does irk me. Mm-hmm. And I Mm-hmm. Mean, now, now, of course, this happened in Mask of the Phantasm, but there it was more open-ended because... You know, we never really see what happens to Andrea, Mm -hmm. and we never see what happens to Joker. Joker could have, we don't know, Joker could have just punched her in the gut and then just escaped. Here, back in in World's Finest, he's in a gargantuan explosion. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be some kind of explanation how the hell he survived.
1: And what about Clayface? Yeah, I mean, think about
0: it. The last time we
1: saw him, he was falling off a cliff, and the quote-unquote next time we see him is when Robin kind of falls for that little girl who's a piece of Clayface. So, you know, I understand that these vignettes, okay, we're seeing, it's, it's it's a weird thing, because we're seeing them before other episodes. Like, I think we have to assume that, like, this Clayface story takes place after the Clayface story that involves Robin and the little girl. Mm-hmm. That's the only way it works. Um, and we also have to assume that, you know, the Robin story here takes place after Sins of the Father, which we'll be getting to in a little while. But we shouldn't be seeing these before those episodes. And you're right, when it comes to the Joker, the way he apparently died, we need an explanation for how he survived that. We absolutely need it, even if it's just one or two lines of dialogue. Because as Batman said in that episode, you know, Harley's like, and he's like, he probably is by now. Like, yeah, I mean, he's in that massive explosion Ugh. this this episode really pissed me off, it really did from top to yeah. bottom every nearly everything I saw on the screen was pissing me off. I mean, I don't know if you noticed this, but Batman barely has any speaking lines throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. um, and when he does specifically in the third and final part, oftentimes his head is turned. So we're not seeing his lips move or the camera's not on him at all. So it's that off screen dialogue. Almost as if there was like bad lip syncing problems and they couldn't uh, fix it through timing. So they just did things with the edits. So the dialogue was never we never actually saw it coming out of his mouth. Did you pick up on that?
0: I didn't. But, you know, now, you, but now that you mention it, I, uh, I'm remembering all these times where he just kind of turns his head as he's as he's saying.
1: things. Yeah. that's not something they do. In these no. cartoons, we always see the characters talking, but in here, all the time, Batman's always turning away from the camera or it's panning over or something. And then in the first vignette, I don't even think Batman says one word. Bruce Wayne talks, but Batman, I don't think, says a word when he's chasing Harley and Ivy. So that was kind of it was kind of weird and unsettling, but that's how Batman should be anyway, so that's fine.
0: Yeah, that I don't mind so much because you've got these two annoying uh, women... You know, basically one-upping him all over the place, and and you know he shouldn't be saying anything there. He should just be pissed off as hell and just really, you know, ready to just beat the crap out of him if he could. Yeah. So yeah, I do, I do give a pass on that. Um, I noticed that Veronica Vreeland was back and she has red hair again. Yeah, yeah. Gotta love the consistency. Yeah, because when she uh, was a blonde.
1: Like...
0: Uh, for Veronica Vreeland. <laughs>
1: Yeah, our listeners' ears just went, whoa, what happened there? <laughs> but she was a blonde the last time we saw her, right? Yep. Yeah, in Mask of the Phantasm, right?
0: No, it was Sub-Zero.
1: Sub-Zero, pardon me, pardon me, yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Because because we were thinking, well, you know, uh, Barbara's a redhead, so we can't right. awfully have two redheads and confuse the audience. Oh, no, no.
1: Yeah. Um, do, do you just want to take these one by one? Because otherwise we're just going to be all over the place here.
0: Well, that's kind of what this episode is. So, okay. Well, but, yeah. I guess I guess we can do that. Sure. Okay.
1: So the the first vignette was just simply called December twenty second. Um, just overall thoughts about this one, about Batman chasing Harley and Ivy. Uh,
0: can I just repeat what you said? And it bored the shit out of me. <laughs>
1: yeah, go for it.
0: I mean, really, there's nothing in this vignette that I that I really liked at all. There, was, it was goofy. It was just I like the animation. I really I should say I do like the new animation. Um I like uh and this kind of feeds over from uh world's finest, the new Bruce, uh the sleeker Bruce, the sleeker joker. Uh I do and I I thought the animation was pretty solid here overall. Um but yeah, this is just a stupid story altogether. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I uh, I, th- I think the I mean they're
0: fighting on a mountain of toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 really sums it up right there.
1: I think the only thing I liked about the first vignette was the pissed off Bruce trying to fight Ivy's control,
0: uh, and he just he can't break it because he's he's. Well, you mean carrying the gifts to the car?
1: Yeah, he's got all the crap yeah. that he's carrying around and you just see him scowling and he's, he's, he's Batman, but in Bruce's body at that moment, but there's nothing he yeah. can do as Bruce or as Batman. That was the only, no, I think that back. There was one other thing I liked when, uh, he does finally transform into Batman and he chases them into wacko toys or whatever it was called. Um, the, the sound effects in there were very cool and very eerie. There was like a slight little echo on it, and it sounded a lot different than uh, the rest of that segment and the rest of the whole episode sounded. They they did a real good job of showing you uh, how big that space was.
0: Um, Well, I'm going to say I would say that for most of these episodes, I think maybe all five episodes we're reviewing today, the sound effects were amazing, and when you have really good sound effects, I think it enhances the animation. How do you mean? Uh, well, I mean by, if you're, you know, you're watching, uh, characters doing things, doing something as simple as, you know, walking across, and I'll just use this as, a, as a, an example from the, uh, Bulsing Ultimate anime series. Uh-huh. They, uh, there's a scene where, uh, Alucard and Anderson are walking across a wood floor, and the creak, it's ex- exactly like it sounds in real life, a creaky wood floor with people stepping across it, and if you, you know, you, Listen to that while they're doing, while they're just slowly sauntering towards each other. other, I think it really just enhances the overall feel, uh, ambiance of the scene. Cool. So that's what I'm, I'm drawing a parallel to that for this, for these episodes, especially I think in uh, Bizarro's world, which we'll cover later on today. Hmm. Okay.
1: Um, I think the only other thing I really want to mention about the the first vignette is uh, Harley and Ivy only have one bed. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Well, well yeah, obviously. <laughs> no, I mean, I I thought it was a, a, a nice little subtle thing they threw in there, that... For the adults. Right, exactly. The little kids, they're not going to notice. They're not going to care. But the adults who are watching go, oh, there is a little more to their relationship. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so then the next vignette takes place on December 24th. Um, and this one's more about, as you said, Batgirl, Clayface, and even... uh i mean batman doesn't even appear in this one i mean montoya Yeah,
0: bullock Bullock, montoya um
1: i like the new design on bullock he's huge
0: my god is he ever huge
1: i mean he's bigger than he was in uh world's finest (laughs) (laughs) um but i kind of like it i mean it it shows you know that this is a big a really big guy not quite that big okay it's a little over the top but I, i i like the redesign on him there um but what about this? I like.
0: I I do like. I did like Bullock here mm-hmm. overall. Not just the just his animation, just his uh, portrayal here. Uh, him as Santa Claus is hilarious on so many levels. Uh, he, the kid, <laughs> The kid's like, "You're yeah, not the real Santa." And he's like, "Sure, I am." Want to see my gun?
1: <laughs> see, my favorite part of that is that him saying, "You want to see my gun?" It's Montoya then slapping him across the head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like stop it. Another thing I really liked about the stuff with Bullock is when he felt bad when he had that... uh, It was a little girl he had on his lap, right? Yeah. Yeah, he found out that her dad was someone he had sent away, and so he gives her a couple of bucks... Uh, so she can buy herself something nice, and that's not a side we see a Bullock all that often. Normally, he's just this—he's a jerk, he's a douchebag. That's what he is. That's why we love him. Um, but here, we actually get to see the sensitive side of him—that he does like kids, despite his gruff uh, exterior.
0: Another nice little touch after that is Montoya uh, smiling like she's like, "You can be nice after all." <laughs> yeah. Uh, even after she just slapped him in the back of the head, <laughs> so it was a nice little touch. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, um, here's my biggest gripe with this segment though. The police, the Gotham City Police Department, sends two of their top detectives to stake out a department store that's being shoplifted from during Christmas time. Like, really? These police officers have nothing else to do? Like maybe looking for the Joker who's clearly on the loose? If if the next segment is any indication, I mean, why are two top detectives staking out freaking Macy's to to stop just shoplifters? Oh my god! Ugh. I mean, did that did well, that bother you or well, I why
0: Why do Lois and Clark cover so, so many museum openings?
1: That's true. There's got to be cub reporters somewhere that can cover it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
1: I mean, That's... I understand they have to find a way to get the characters there. I just think. It didn't have to be a shoplifting thing. It really could have been that they were just volunteering. You know, the police were putting on a goodwill thing, and Harvey says, yeah. like, Santa, he's got the build, let him do it. Mantoya's smaller in frame so she can play an elf. And Barbara just happens to be there, and Clayface tries to rob the joint. It's the same basic setup. You just get rid of the whole stakeout angle.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, and we know, I mean the only reason they had Bullock and... Montoya, there is because be somebody that the the uh, audience would recognize. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, we just just get rid of that, and it would have been a lot better. Mm-hmm.
1: And then why is Clayface, you know, you know, stealing watches and rings from a department store? The guy is like Mystique; he can turn into anybody he wants because he's a great actor. He can do their voices too, but he turns into kids to. Steal perfume bottles instead of going to a bank or the treasury or somewhere else. I mean, what the hell kind of plan was that? Oh, uh, uh,
0: I, I, I have nothing. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I
1: don't. I think if it weren't for the fact that we get to see like Barbara sorta of naked, I really think I would just shit. All over this one more than I already am because when she's changing <laughs> behind that like shoe rack or whatever it is, you can clearly see she has no bra on, and that's sort of like, "Hey, babs, how's it going?" <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, hey, people, I already told you I had a crush on Penny when I was growing up, so yes, I maybe I can still find uh, cartoon characters um, sexy. I guess I don't know, uh, but anyway, speaking of Barbara, what was up with her voice? Is that, this was a, was this like a different voice actress?
0: Uh, it was Tara Strong.
1: Because she didn't sound like the same Barbara that we hear in Sins of the Father or Cold Comfort.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm uh, not even sure that
1: was Ron Perlman for Clayface.
0: Um, let's see, I think...
1: Uh, cool.
0: Yeah, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman okay. did Clayface. Okay. Um, but as for Sins of the Father, uh, I think... Yeah, she does... She does. Tara Strong does her voice in the next episode, too. Well,
1: if, if they say so, but it sounded everything except Montoya and Bullock, uh, Bullock sounded way off for me. I, I, really didn't like what I was hearing in terms of the voices. Um, anyways, I've been ranting about this one. What about you?
0: Um, really, this, this is just cut and dry. I've said pretty much everything we need to say because after, you know, after, uh, Babs gets naked and changes into Batgirl, it's just, a, it's just a fight scene I and, mean, Bullock and Montoya are completely useless until they, until they uh, shoot that wire that electrocutes Clayface. Again. It's really just a fight. Yeah, it's just a fight scene really for the last three minutes or so. Yeah. So there's not really all that much to say about it. I mean, uh, I really
1: don't understand why this episode, Holiday Nights, was chosen to be the premiere episode of this new Batman series.
0: Yeah, because it's nothing like the episodes we're gonna. Be reviewing for the most part yeah. for the rest of this series. They're, it's supposed to be a dark, gritty episode uh, or series, I should say. And this episode is just—it's—it tries to be like—it seems to me like it tries to be happy-go-lucky. Yeah. In so many, in many, many occasions, especially that first vignette. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: I mean, and th- and that's not what this series is about. I mean, when we get to sins of the father, I mean, they flat out say that Tim's dad is dead. They say it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Two Face orders his goons to kill a child. This is a dark show, but is they're starting out by making it a bouncy cartoon. Yes, it's a cartoon, I get that, but that's not the vibe they're going for. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Totally goofy.
1: Yeah. Um uh, so what about the last vignette, December thirty first?
0: Uh let's see. How many problems do I have with this one? The animation uh,
1: sucks for one.
0: Yeah. Uh th- As much as I liked it in the first segment, uh it was just terrible here. And it's like, first off, Joker, when he gets crushed by that bell, yes. his hand is sticking out of the bottom of the bell. Mm-hmm. His arm should have been severed off.
1: I got to tell you something. When I was, I think I was nine years old, I was on, uh, you know, those things on the playground, the the horizontal bars. You know, yeah. I was on something like that, and uh, I slipped off, and I landed on my elbow on sand, but the sand was so tightly compacted, it amounted to cement, okay? And I chipped a piece off my elbow, uh, broke my arm, of course. I had to go in and have surgery. I'm 30 years old now, so we're talking it's over 20 years later, and I still uh, uh, get pains in my arm like, 20-some-odd years later, and that was just me kind of landing on it funny and needing minor surgery. The Joker gets, you know, a couple of ton bell dropped on him, at dropped on his person, and his arm is completely smashed. Okay, as, you know, as you said, it shouldn't be there to begin with, but assuming they were able to save his arm, it would be crippled for the rest of his life. You know, if, if what happens, you know, if my arm is, is if my elbow's a wreck, just from the little thing I did, he, he's not going to have use of it ever again. He's not going to be able to wipe his ass using that arm. It's that plain and simple. And that bugged the shit out of me. And then they make a joke out of it, too. So it's not like it was just a mistake. Because Batman gets shot or something, and Gordon's like, how's your arm? And he's like, well, better than the Joker's. Like... So they they even pointed it out. If they hadn't pointed it out, I just would have said, hey, you know what? It was the animation crew adding it in, and the producers didn't intend for it to be that way, so they could kind of ignore it. But no, they actually acknowledged that it happened. Oh, Oh, terrible.
0: How about uh, Batman, with no regard for his own safety or anybody else's, spraying champagne all over a computer console? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: especially in the cartoon world where you just look at a computer the wrong way and it explodes in your face. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I, I don't know. Um, just, the just, this whole this whole plot was just stupid. Just like you know the other two plots we've had so far. See, it's like, go ahead. It's it's a, it's a son, He's developing this sonic based weapon, powerful enough to kill anyone within quote unquote earshot. Mm-hmm. Uh and I don't even know what to say about this. It's just so stupid. Mm-hmm. See, I, I
1: think I would have liked this whole episode if there would have been a framing story. Like later on, we're gonna get um what's it called? Legends of the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get vignettes throughout that one, but there's a framing story about Batman searching for I think it's Firebug and the kids are walking around sort of looking for Batman too, while they're telling each other stories about Batman. But this isn't that. It's just here's this story, here's this story, and here's this story. And they, they don't gel at all. The only thing that brings them together is that they're all sort of around Christmas. And that's not a, a strong enough uh, uh, connecting place. Back, a backbone, yes. thank you, yeah, yeah. To, 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 to make this even worthwhile, in my opinion it's just so terrible from top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, sure there's little things as as you said before. The animation in the first part, I think the the sound effects were great. The bullet stuff's good. Um I think Joker taking the battering to the back of the head was funny in the third and final segment.
0: There's actually a couple things in this segment I do like. Um the uh what Joker says uh about, you know, uh unless our dear dark knight can stop uh, can stop me or whatever he says there is exactly what old Bruce plays back in return of the joker uh when he's trying to compare the voices and to confirm if it really is the joker who's somehow alive in the future that's the, the that's the line that uh is he's pl- he plays on the back computer oh, really? so i thought that was kind of cool um, and the other thing i kind of liked uh the uh, was gordon's line of here's to survival because that really that really is what gordon would say it, it it's i think it matched his character pretty well uh and it's I kinda liked that, that's, you know, minus the, uh, the referencing of the arm. Uh, it wasn't a bad little, uh, 30 second scene there. Mm-hmm. Cause they, you know, it's, we see that Gordon and Batman do have something of a friendship at least, or a, a, at least a deep respect for each other. Yeah. So, at least they've developed that into, into, uh, into this new series. So, uh, anyway. What were you
1: saying? <laughs> oh, that's what I was saying.
0: Besides, yeah. Besides, yeah. Well, we, we've how many times have we sighed here? About six or seven. Yeah,
1: I, I really don't have anything else to say about this one. I mean, the final note I wrote before I jotted down my score was one word that was three letters: a s s ass. This whole thing is just ass. Same old Doctor Fate. You heard? Yes. Then what are we waiting for? Not this time, my friend. I've quit. What do you mean? We need you. This thing has magic. Only you... I know all about Karko. I fought him a century ago. Thought I'd won. But if there's anything I've learned from a lifetime of combat, it's that victory is an illusion. No matter how thoroughly you exterminate the evil, it creeps back like a cockroach. Well, it's time to step on him again. Next up is an episode of Superman the Animated Series, that being The Hand of Fate. In this one, Superman goes up against a uh, demon called Karkle. Is that how it's pronounced? Karkle?
0: Yeah, okay. yeah, Karkle.
1: And uh, because Superman is, uh you know, one of his weaknesses is magic, there's no way he can take this thing down, so he has to enlist the help of a magical superhero, and that is Dr. Fate. Um, at first, Fate doesn't want to help Superman, uh so Superman basically says screw you I'm going to fight I'm going to go fight this thing anyways um, Superman is fighting a losing battle and just in the nick of time wouldn't you know it uh Fate shows up to help Superman save the day and rebanish Karkle to wherever he was previously banished to Uh so thoughts about this one
0: There were a lot of things I really liked about this First first and foremost is that st- we're further expanding the DCAU character uh, universe. Um, and I thought the animation was spectacular. Uh especially with uh the uh effects of fate teleporting. Yeah,
2: that's a cool effect.
0: Yeah. Um and let's see what else. Uh the yeah, this is just something I kind of noticed uh I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't mean it for it to look this way because they couldn't look, you know, eight whatever years into the future. Uh, but the dagger that that crook steals in the beginning of the episode, uh, it looks like a th- one of the, the uh, Thanagarian daggers from Justice League Unlimited. Uh, I believe it was Shadow of the Hawk, where Hawkgirl and Hawkman go into the Egyptian tomb. Uh, it's... I think it. I think that I'm remembering that right, but it it really did look like it. So maybe maybe they borrowed the animation from this episode for that. Yeah, they
1: might have been trying to tie it together there. Yeah.
0: Um, and really, this uh is has got to be some kind of reference to Lovecraft, Uh, the Cthulhu mythos.
1: you know, what little we've seen of Cthulhu, he looks a whole hell of a lot like him or what we can possibly imagine the elder god to look <laughs> like. Um, yeah, because when I first th- saw him, I'm like, okay, that's Cthulhu. Um, and then they call him Carkel, so yeah, there, there's some sort of connection there.
0: Yeah. Um, what about you?
1: Oh, well, first thing I'll say is that this is the reason I like Superman. Because you can give him villains like this. Um, Batman, you really can't do a villain like this with Batman. Uh, But with Superman, you can just pull some crazy demon creature from the deep and have him throw punches at it. And that doesn't work. So he's got to find someone that knows magic and they team up and they fight it. That's really cool. That's what Superman's all about. He's sci-fi. You know, he's, he can be, they can they can bring in these horror elements to him. And um, it, it works like that, I think. Um, but, 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 Karkle has to be one of the worst voice acted characters I've seen since Livewire. Or Thank accurately you. heard. There's no emotion to any of his lines. It's just... I'm Carco, I'm evil. Waha! Like, really? Yeah, you suck ass too.
0: Well, and here's the th- the thing about it: Ted Levine, who did his voice, goes on to voice Sinestro, and he does an amazing job as Sinestro. Yeah. So it's like, I, I don't understand what the hell happened here. I really don't.
1: And it's not just that there's no emotion to what he's saying. It's every like the dialogue is just terrible. All Altogether, and I'm not talking just from him. There's a lot of bad dialogue in this episode. I mean, Superman and Fate—they're—they're they're talking, and Fate's like, "Oh, you know, I don't do that stuff anymore. That being super her- heroics, um, I've re- I removed myself from the playing field," and blah blah blah. And Superman's like, "Well," says something like, "Well, let's go squash him or something." You know what I'm talking about? I'm—I'm I'm totally butchering the line. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Just lines like that are littered throughout this episode. It's bad writing. It's really bad writing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, and there it's there's some cliché dialogue too. Where in that same scene you were talking about, where he's in the his uh whatever that room is where he can look out into the cosmos, uh, and he's like he says, you know, you and I are a lot alike, Superman. We are both masters of our own fate. <laughs> Don't don't let yours be dictated by endless battle or whatever he says. And Superman's like, "No, we're nothing alike." Yeah. He just he just walks off in a huff. Yeah.
1: Let's see how many movies have I heard that line in? One hundred and seventy three billion. Oh, god. I mean, the, you know what? While we're you know, okay, yeah, we're shitting on the dialogue. There is one line that I cracked up at, and um, it, it's when. Remember, they're outside the building, outside the Daily Planet, and there's that force field around it. And they're all trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to get in. And that, like, witchy girl comes up and yeah. she's all like, oh, I'll go, I'll go get my white witch coven and we'll help you out. Well, before she actually comes back with her fellow witches, which I thought was funny, Turpin says something like, uh, OK, Tink, back to Neverland.
2: <laughs> Cause yeah, she,
1: she calls herself a fairy. <laughs> and It's like, that's funny. That was a great line. And then it was even funnier when she comes back, Turpin turns totally Jewish. and He's just like, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: I love Turpin.
1: It, it had its moments. It definitely had its moments. Like I said, this is the kind of villain you can get away with with Superman. Turpin had some good lines. The animation was, as you said, it was, I, I wasn't crazy about the animation, but I thought it was decent. Um, I did like the effect. Um, when the people were being possessed and then they would just like rip into, like their bodies would just rip away and they become these, like the demon creatures. Yeah. I that was a really cool effect. I like the shimmeriness, uh, around the daily planet. I like the general design of Crackle or Kirkle or whatever we're
0: calling him. Um, Crackle?
1: <laughs> I can't remember his name. I, I can't re- uh, Car- Is that it?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's based on a, a Dr. Fate villain from, like, the 1940s. Okay. So I, uh, and is actually, uh, his name was Ian Carkle and he was a human as far as I remember.
2: Okay,
0: so. okay.
1: well, like I said, it, it has its moments, but overall, I just, the bad voice acting, the cliche dialogue, and the fact that they never explain how Superman knows Dr. Fate, do they? No, they don't. It's just, hey, there's Dr. Fate, how's it going, old buddy, old pal? That's what it amounts to. It's like the he, yep. Superman says, "Oh, it's the same old Doctor Fate." Like, from when? Like, <laughs> he's like, "Hey, I know who I can go get to help us out," and then it's Doctor Fate, Mister Wizard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Mister Wizard would have made more the same amount of sense as Doctor Fate. It would have been cooler if Fate just walked on to the scene, like, "Okay, let's go in there together and deal with this shit, yo." But instead, Superman's just like, "I'm gonna go get my buddy.
0: I round up a posse." Yeah. Well, back to the cliche dialogue. I, lo- I loved how after Carcoll destroys that tablet that was, uh, imprisoning him, and then Fate, when Fate just, you know, shows up on the scene later on to fight, uh, fight the guy, he has the tablet in his hand. He's, he's like, no, I destroyed it! Or, I'm sorry, it would be like, no, I destroyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh fate's like that which is has uh been created cannot be destroyed or whatever the hell he said i was like oh god mm-hmm. <laughs> just that that line made me cringe even more than the one we just said a minute ago you know what i thought was funny though okay fate's got this
1: you know reformed tablet in his hand right and then mm-hmm. what's his face the demon guy blasts it out of his hand and fate's like no as the thing falls into a pit. So Fate has all this, like, super-duper magic, but he doesn't have some sort of spell to retrieve something he dropped.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have a levitation spell or something. I mean,
1: his girlfriend or wife or whatever was able to mend Superman's clothing. She was able to mend his costume, but the the all-powerful Dr. Fate can't get the remote from the TV stand. Oh, no's like, what the fuck? it was it was so stupid it's like superman i don't have magic to get that why don't you fly down there towards hell and get it for me and if there's a demon down there just run away from it okay oh Christ.
0: that's pretty much what he what he did yeah, too
1: it was it was just padding that's what it was they were just padding out the episode by like another 2 minutes or so um yeah. and he, here's another thing when superman's flying down towards towards hell or whatever it is he's he's all those other demons are flying through him, but they're not possessing him. They're just hurting him. Why aren't they possessing him? Because when those demons f- flew into Jimmy and Lois and everybody else on the scene, they too became demons. But Superman, he's just like, ugh, oh, oh, oh. You almost think he'd be more susceptible to the magic because he is prone to magic attack. So I didn't quite get...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, clearly, clearly, because because he's... Uh... Uh, Kryptonian, his soul can't be stolen by uh, a demon from the bowels of our hell.
1: Sure, works for me. What the fuck, you know?
0: <laughs> Christ.
1: And, I'm, you know, I'll say it right here. Uh, normally I wouldn't say something like this. I'm sorry I'm swearing so much during this episode. I really am, but that's how frustrated I am. We just came off World's Finest, and we get holiday nights, and then this thing. Like... I love that description. This thing. thats what it is. It's this <laughs> yeah. thing. I mean... Uh, to be fair, I do actually think this is better than Holiday Nights, though, even though I'm ripping this... Uh,
0: well, I mean, it, it, it would be hard to be worse. Yeah, I know.
1: Oh, what else? I'm looking at my notes here. I thought I had a... Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll say another good thing about this episode. When the uh, humans did turn, when they were possessed, that was really creepy. And the overall... You know, once Superman gets into the building and everybody's been turned and there's demons walking around, there's people turn demons walking around. It's, 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 it's just overall, it, there is a very eerie vibe going on. Um, and that's obviously what they were going for. And I thought that worked.
0: And I guess getting back to, uh, what you were just talking about, the people walking around, how dumb are Lois and Jimmy? They just run right up to this thing mm-hmm. for no reason, just except to just take a picture. And I'm sitting there. I'm thinking, okay, normally, it, I could forgive this because you know what's the worst that could happen? They die. Okay. Well, uh you don't know what's going to happen with this thing. This thing could suck your soul, mm-hmm. and and you're like in a in like this a fate worse than hell for the rest of eternity. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hmm. And I'm not a religious person by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, that's even I have to have that kind of thinking there because you're you're walking right up to a demon. Yeah. Not. Not smart. Yeah,
1: I see a demon on the street. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm going the other direction, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, well, I don't care if I'm the best reporter in the world or whatever Lois supposedly is. Yeah, w- w- we're not going towards that. No, no, not at all. Uh, I see a stray dog on the street, and I cross sides, you know?
2: What did Two-Face want with you?
0: My old man used to work for Pukeface, but that was before he split town. Your father left you all alone? Big deal. He was never around much anyway. I can take care of myself. My ha. See? I found it after you cleared some bangers out of the hood. My word. Just like Batman, nobody messes with Tim Drake except Two-Face. And our next episode from Gotham Knights today is Sins of the Father, and here is where we get the true origin of Tim Drake oh, and Tatt. how he Jason Todd. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Anyways.
0: Yeah. Okay, uh, Jason Drake, <laughs> and uh, his uh, first adventure as the new Robin. Now, at first, we don't find out what happened to Dick Grayson, and though he appears at the end of the episode, it isn't explained until we get to old wounds, so you'll just have to wait. Yep. And so there. Um, but what we find out is that uh, Steven, Tim's father, was a, a-, a former member of uh, two- uh, Two-Face's gang, and... He, they, Two Face thinks he he's stolen something, but Wait, what's your or actually I should say Did he. You say Steven? Huh? Yeah, that's. His I name. thought it was Jack. That's I thought it was Jack Drake. Uh, I could have sworn it was Steven.
1: Okay, if you say so, I think it's Jack though. But okay, whatever.
0: Okay, um, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Tim's father uh, apparently stole something very very important from Two Face, and no one really knows what it is though, except for Two Face himself. Um, and how he eventually uh, starts chasing Tim Drake across the city because he uh, suspects that Tim knows what uh, where the location of this stolen item is, and it eventually it leads he lead it leads it to a direct you know collision with Batman and um Tim who has always been a just uh. You know, enamored of of the legend of Batman uh, wants to impress him so he just takes on the persona of Robin because he he asks himself what whatever happened to, to Robin because uh, apparently Robin hasn't been seen for some time um, and I know I'm uh, kind of cutting short this uh, plot it's really there's so many uh side roads this episode takes, it would take me forever to explain them all. Um, but eventually, you know, Robin, uh, Batman and Batgirl, uh, find out what it was that was stolen from Two-Face. It was this these chemicals that when mixed together, could basically nuke all of Gotham. Uh, and they have to go stop him. And at this point, Robin makes, you know, Jason Drake makes his uh, debut as Robin. And uh, Batman... Is none too pleased about this, as you can imagine. So, uh, you know, you—I know you said that you were disappointed when you first, uh, when you watched this again. So, uh, what disappointed you about it?
1: You know, it wasn't as exciting as I remembered it being. You know, when I first saw this one, and hell, all the other viewings up until this point. I was always like, yeah, this is great. I mean, we've got new Batman, Batgirl looks hot. We got a new Robin, Two-Face is looking bitchin'. And then, oh, my God, Dick Grayson at the end. Woo! You know? But I don't know. I don't know. It It just wasn't doing it for me this time. I mean, I wasn't crazy about Tim's portrayal. Um, and I'm not comparing him to the Tim in the comics, because this is very much a cross between Tim and Jason Todd, so that's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying, I just didn't like his characterization here all that much. Um, I found him a little annoying, if you wanted the truth, just with all the puke face stuff. Um, I, I wasn't keen on, I don't know, it's, it's not a bad episode, and I, and I know it's, it's better than I'm giving it credit for, but... Upon this viewing, I really just thought it was average, just a whole lot of average. I thought some of the animation was a little stiff, a little awkward,
0: even um, during the fight scenes. I would uh, especially, I I definitely agree with you. Yeah, there.
1: I mean, it definitely has its moments. It really does. Um, you know, like when Tim, you know, the, it, of course Batman, he gets uh, hit with that thing on the pier with the
2: yeah. What was that thing? Is that
1: giant hook? Train thing, and he gets hit yeah, with it. Easy. So Tim and him end up in the in the bat boat, and they end up back at Wayne Manor. And Tim snooping around, and he goes upstairs, and he finds out the secret, capital T, capital S. And when he comes back downstairs, of course Barbara, as Batgirl, is dragging him down the stairs. And he's like, "Don't worry, I won't tell your secret." And she lifts up his shirt, and out comes Bruce's like money clip and his watch, and you know some stuff that Tim was going <laughs> to steal. Um, I thought that was cute because it gave you, uh, it told you a lot about the character, that he is a street urchin. That's really what this character is. Um, he's, he, you know, he's completely different than than Bruce and than Dick was as Robin. Um, so th- that worked for me, but, you yeah, know, overall it was just there this time around. But like I said, I do admit that this episode is better than I'm giving it credit for right now. Just this viewing, that's what I have to go off of. Mm-hmm. So, what,
0: what about you here? I did. I did like that. Uh, we got more of the detective Batman because this guy—he's such a great detective. He knows where a key comes from just from an imprint of it on a piece of yeah. paper. No, I, I don't recognize That's this. hardcore, no, right there. I don't
1: recognize this Batman. Do you? The airport. <laughs> he doesn't even think yeah. about it. The airport.
0: <laughs> that is great. I love that. Mm. Um, here's a question I have. Why the hell would Two Face's uh timer on that clock read three? <laughs> Why wouldn't it read two?
1: Thank you. That was something I never noticed until this viewing. I'm like, why did he just set the clock for three minutes? Like, what's he doing? You
0: know? His whole theme is two. Yeah.
1: And hey, you know what? Because he knows how good Batman is at stopping his plans, set it for two seconds. You know? You still get your two, and Batman can't stop it. You win! Score! You said it for three minutes, you're giving a whole extra minute, stupid. don't do that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I guess they kind of made up for it because Batgirl, when she rips the uh the wires out of it it they it stops it at two seconds, right. so well, now, yeah, there you now, go. Now, hang
1: on, I have to bring up something with that scene after mm-hmm. she stops the bomb, she wipes her forehead and goes, "phew," as if she's you know wiping sweat from her brow. But she's still her, wearing her mask. The mask. It's not that like she pulls it off or lifts it up just a little to wipe the sweat away. No, she wipes sweat from her cowl. <laughs> Stop
0: <laughs> it. <laughs> Maybe it's an organic cowl that that uh, still has some uh, sweat glands in it or something from the from the uh, the uh, cowl that it was carved from. Stanky. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know this few the foo thing is a nitpick. I admit that, but it, it's. It's still it's nonsensical, stupid. you know? She could have lifted up her mask a little to have done it, or she just could have said, phew. She didn't actually need to wipe her flippin' brow.
0: I did like the, uh, cameo from Dick Grayson at the end. Yeah. You know, even though we don't, we didn't have time for an explanation, it was nice. It was a nice little touch. Because, you know, we're setting seeds for, uh, the, the whole, basically the rest of this series, because, you know, Dick Grayson basically can't stand Bruce Wayne anymore. And, uh, we're left to wonder. If you know, if you had seen this for the first time, you're left to wonder. Well, yeah, what happened to Robin? Where was the falling out? Mm-hmm. Uh, because of of course there had to be a falling out because uh, Grayson is no longer Robin. He, he's just moved on. So yeah, it was nice. They uh, they did lay out lay down the seeds for uh, old wounds and uh, several other episodes in Gotham Knights. Yeah, so I'm, go-
1: I'm gonna be honest. I liked the fact that they brought him back. Um, but I wish they would have waited a little and teased it a little. Maybe had Tim bump into a new hero going by the name Nightwing. Um, mm-hmm. not just have Dick walk into the room and, and be back in their lives all of a sudden. I just, I just didn't get why they, pardon the expression, blew their load so early with him.
0: Um, yeah, I do understand where you're coming from. There. You know, I'm
1: one of the biggest Dick Grayson marks on the planet, so I love seeing him you know, in, in any form, comics, you know, cartoons, uh, TV, uh, movies, whatever, wherever he is, I'm going to follow him because I love Dick. Hey, Ian, there's a quote for you. Um, <laughs> but
0: You couldn't resist, could
1: you? It was one of those things where as I was saying it, I was like, oh, Ian's going to have a field day with this one, so I might as well draw attention to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just wish they would have waited a little longer is really what it is. Um, yeah.
0: Oh uh, what else?
1: Um you know, I said this earlier. I like the fact that they were actually hardcore about it and they tell you, you know, Tim's dad is dead. He the the John Doe was pulled from the river and his prints, they say, uh uh match those of Tim's dad. So we know he's not coming back and Batman's cold as ice about it. You know, Tim's like, John Doe, that means he's not coming back ever, right? And Batgirl's like, Well, we can't be sure and Batman's like, Yes. He's dead. He's dead, and that, that that totally sets the the tone for this entire series. That tells you that even though the previous uh, Batman series was dark, this is even darker. Um,
0: and then when you uh, minus minus holiday minus nights, holiday nights,
1: right? And when you couple that with the fact that you know the the goons earlier when they had Tim on on the pier, they asked Two Face, "What do we do with the kid?" He flips his coins, a coin, it comes up bad heads, and he says, "Kill him." And they cock their guns, and they're about to kill a child. He's like, what, maybe 8, nine, ten years old here? You know, and yeah. they're just going to blow him away. This is a lot darker than what we've seen before. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. Um, though something I noticed in Holiday Nights and something I noticed here, and, of course, it'll happen again in cold comfort, um, is characters say, oh, my God. In Holiday Nights, I think it's Harley says, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And in this episode, Tim does it too. He says, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So yep. it, it was one of those things where in, in the, the oh, my God in cold comfort sort of lost its impact because we got six oh, my gods before that one.
0: Yeah. They uh, they do say it too much, and it waters it down. Right, yeah. Uh, although I do, I do have to say it's still, in cold comfort, it's still a very, very strong moment. Oh, regardless. it is,
1: it is. I'm just saying... What you just said, it does water it down a little.
0: Now, there's something I have to ask you, though.
1: How dumb is Two-Face? Never mind the fact that he set his clock for three minutes and not two minutes, or even two seconds. What I'm referring to is the fact that he doesn't recognize the fact that not only is this Robin, you know, at least ten years younger than the previous Robin, but he's less than half the size, He picks him up and he's like, "Long time, bird boy." Like, what? what? Last time you saw Robin, he was about as tall as Batman. And furthermore, Robin calls Two Face Puke Face. Tim earlier, two Two Faces faces called him Puke Face. He can't make a connection there and figure out that apparently not. Like, so lame. I mean,
0: uh, uh, yeah. Okay, that's uh, we're at to about fourteen. Now. <laughs> I didn't
1: even mean to do it. I didn't even mean to say. Oh, God. that's fifteen. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> um, now when it comes to, okay, let me start over. What did you think of Robin's redesign? That whole new costume. I mean it's just red um, and I mean that's it's a completely different costume than Dick
0: wore. I I kind of liked it just because Robin's are red. Mm-hmm. So I liked the fact that it was you get the red costume mixed with the black to symbolize the darkness mm-hmm. of, you know, you know, the Batman uh universe really. Um I'm not crazy about the mask but, you know, I guess because he's a kid, it can let it, I can let it slide, but, um, I, I don't like it as much, I think, as the classic green, uh, green red suit, but, you know, it's not bad at all, I don't think. Cause see, what, what I'm
1: curious about, oh, I like the design overall, but what I'm curious about is that costume is sitting in like a memorial, but we never saw Dick wear that costume. Right. And this fits Tim. So it's, they're almost saying that that one that was in the memorial was Dick's first costume. And since that costume isn't that different than the one that Robin is wearing in Teen Titans, that almost gives credence to my idea that Teen Titans is a prequel to Batman the animated series. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's not the same, because the one in Teen Titans, he is wearing green pants, and he does have those kind of metal shoe boot things. But I'm just saying, you know, the red one that Tim has might be the first one. The one we see in Teen Titans is the second one. The one we see in Batman the Animated Series is his third and final one before he becomes Nightwing. That's all I'm saying, I'm just making some connections.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to get, uh, read the emails you get from that. Yeah, I know. And you, you know they'll kind of... I know.
1: And hey, let them come, let them
0: come. <laughs> how about that guy that died, uh, when that light plot fell on top of him? Those things, I've worked on those things before, those things weigh several tons. Uh... That guy is dead. <laughs> dead, dead, dead.
1: Yeah, I didn't know what those things were made out of or how heavy they were, so I didn't like take like, notice of that, really. It just, it didn't look that heavy to me. I thought it was made of like cheap aluminum or something. Another thing that I will give this episode is that, uh, closing scene in the boxing ring with Bruce and Tim, where he's laying out the rules. You know, he's like, uh, what is it? Rule number one, you give me everything you got. Rule number two, then you give me more. Rule number three, and he goes in the Batman voice and he's like, I make the rules. I'm like, that is awesome. I love that. Especially because he cheated. Didn't he, he Tripped him
0: with the, uh, with
1: the little stick. Yeah, it was a stick. Sort of, he, yeah. I mean, it wasn't cheating per se, but it was a little dirty. And I loved it because he's showing him, look, no matter what I say the rules are, I can change them. You know, and then I love mm-hmm. it when Dick just comes up and he's like, watch that last one, kid. What's he say? It's a doozy. No, what's he say? Uh, it's a killer. It's a killer. Yeah. And I love Bruce's reaction where he's like, Dick. But said a little differently, it could have been like, Dick, <laughs> which of course is something they ended up pulling in uh, uh was it the first Batman movie with Robin, where Bruce and Dick are arguing on the lawn? I think it is, and he he's like Dick, but is it like ooh? Is he calling him his name or is he calling him a dick? Ooh, it's funny because his name's Dick. Oh, oh, oh. Fuck, I hate those movies. Me make Krypton. Then me am home. Ha, ha! Next up, we're back to another Superman the Animated Series episode. This one being Bizarro's World. As you can tell by the by the title, Bizarro is back, despite the fact that it looked like he got blowed the fuck up the last time we saw him. Um, and he ends up uh, through various means he ends up at the fortress of solitude and he uh touches the orb thingy that uh, what does he call it the shiny ball that yeah. is uh the remnants of brainiac that has uh the the history of krypton and because he has superman's dna it thinks he's kalel and it shows him you know kalel's history with jor-el and krypton uh getting uh, destroyed and whatnot so bizarro takes it upon himself to make Metropolis. Look like Krypton, and of course, what happened to Krypton? It got destroyed. So after he makes Krypton, he has to unmake Krypton. Um, and that's really the gist of this one, right
0: there. Yep. Um, this was a, this was a cute little story, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, there were many, there were many moments where I was like, oh, that's kind of funny, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of sweet, actually. Uh, because Bizarre, (laughs) For the poor guy you know he you have to feel for him you really do he, ha- he has no idea who he is where he is all he wants is to go home but he doesn't know what home is yeah. so so it's like it's a, a catch-22 and um, I thought it was an interesting little story uh, and uh, there were plenty of plenty of moments where laugh. I laughed I really did laugh out loud Uh. Where he name when he breaks open that thing, uh, and that creature comes out and starts biting him, he, he ends up naming it Krypto. Yeah, yeah, it was. That was that's hilarious. <laughs> and then what was even funnier is later on when the, he's remaking uh, Metropolis into Krypton, and the movie theater is like his home. He uh sits lowest down in the seat yeah. and then he tries to put the moves yeah. on her. <laughs> that's classic, because mm. he's in a movie theater and it's just it's like. <laughs> Oh, uh, it's not something you'd expect bizarre to know what to know how to do yeah. or some, you know, it's because, uh, um, because of you know who he is. Yeah, but but um, hey, maybe
1: he's watched TV. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's Bizarro um, logic.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do have a couple of questions. First one I have is how the hell did Angela Chen of all people find out where the Fortress of Solitude is? Yeah, I that, I thought that was supposed to be kept secret from pretty much everybody except Hamilton and Batman.
1: Yeah, that that sort of bothered me that she's like, oh, and it's rumored that Professor Hamilton has been to the Fortress of Solitude. Like, why do you even know about that? Yeah, that, that did get under my skin. Uh, yeah, she even <laughs> says at the, it's at the North Pole, doesn't she?
0: Yeah, <laughs> which, near, it says near the North which Pole. Which leads
1: me to my question. If Bizarro hears that the Fortress of Solitude is at the North Pole, shouldn't he actually search the South Pole? I'm That's just saying. Point. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> what were some other things you wanted to mention there?
0: Well, the, and the other that actually leads to my my next question is about uh, Bizarro himself. If Bizarro is immune to kryptonite, then how the hell did that orb think that it was Superman? If his DNA is altered so much to where he's immune to kryptonite, the orb should not have recognized him as Kal El.
1: Right, that was because I'm astounded because I, I I've seen this episode a couple of times and I've never picked up on that. So I wasn't sure if you had picked up on it, you know. But because I like the idea that he can touch the orb and it thinks that he's Superman, I like that idea because it's recognizing his DNA. Mm-hmm. But then you're right. His what does Superman say that his cellular structure
0: is? too far altered from mine or whatever he says.
1: to to work on it. No, you can't have it both ways. He can't touch it and have it work and then not have kryptonite work. No, no, no. It's, it's both or nothing. Um, yeah, that, that was a bit of a plot hole I thought. Absolutely. It it was just a way to introduce kryptonite. It was a way to show that Bizarro was, uh, uh, immune to it, which I'm not opposed to, but I think it could have been done better.
0: (laughs) maybe, Maybe even just have kryptonite make him stronger. Something. I don't. Know. Some, something, some, you know, just something different. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about you? I have some more things I'll say in a little bit, though. Um,
1: I think my favorite part of this one, and you know what? I'm not going to, when we get to the scores, I'm not going to give this one a great score, but after the episodes we've had before this one, uh, this is a nice breath of fresh air. Because yeah. it, it, it's not the best, let's sit down and have fun, to, you know, episode, but it's, it's so much better than what we've had before. Um, but my, my favorite part is really the end when Superman takes Bizarro to his own planet and Bizarro's looking around and he's like, me hate planet. It am empty. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Superman's like, I thought of that. And he presses the button on the ship and out comes crypto. It's really cute. It's really heartwarming. Um, so, yeah. yeah,
0: that's, that's the best, that's the word I was looking for earlier is heartwarming. Mm-hmm. That's really what describes most of this episode with, you know, crypt, uh, or crypto with uh, Bizarro's uh, motivations. Because, as, as in the last episode, they're noble. He's he's trying to be a hero. He's trying to, and he's trying to go home. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want anybody to bother him. He doesn't want to bother anybody else. It's just the poor guy is just a victim of horrid, horrid circumstances. Yeah, I
1: mean, and he's just confused. That's all it is. Um, you do feel bad for him. You you, you can't help it. Um, my heart does break when I think about their Bizarro. Um, but that said, that, that said, I I'm a little confused about something. At the end of his last appearance, he realized he wasn't Superman. Yet here he suddenly thinks he's Kal-el, who is Superman, and he knows that. So. Why is he thinking he's Superman again? But he still knows he's not Superman. Do you understand what I'm saying?
0: Well, see, the thing is, I think, uh, because Shiny Ball Mm -hmm. told, uh, said, you are Kal El, son of Jor El. He, he, it just like reignited, uh, old, like maybe old memories in his subconscious, and he then again started thinking he was Superman. Uh,
1: Mm, Okay, I'll, I'll buy it a little. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, I do like his reaction when he sees Superman. He's not angry. He's like, Superman! Like it's an old friend. Yeah. You know, I enjoy it because essentially these guys are brothers. It's, you know, they're twins and one of them just happens to be retarded. That's all it is. And Superman looks down mm-hmm. on him with a little pity, we'll say. And Bizarro almost looks up to Superman. He's the, the brother that he, you know, Superman's the brother that Bizarro wants to be. And that,
0: of mice and men comes it's to mind
1: very much so you know that i love that book so much yeah it's a great And story. now that you're drawing a connection between lenny and bizarro it's uh it, it makes me feel for bizarro even more um mm-hmm. i just i just love it I, I love their dynamic in these uh in these episodes that that feature bizarro i, I think it's great um
0: and the animation was really good. This was an episode with not a lot of special effects, uh, but the animation was still really solid. Uh, Bizarro, the animation on Bizarro in particular was just really, really crisp, really good. Uh, in the theater, the shadow, the shadow effects, everything, uh, everything meshed really well. Uh, the kryptonite, when he's holding it in his hand, when Bizarro is holding it in his hand, the, uh, the the uh lighting effects are really good because the shadows are still on his back and then the lights are, the light of the Kryptonite's in front. It's really, it, I love the animation in this mm-hmm. episode.
1: Yeah, another thing I liked about this one is, you know, Superman really, to beat Bizarro, he has to beat him mentally. Because Bizarro, he's, he has all of Superman's strength and... Because he's not Superman, he doesn't necessarily hold back. So he is going to get the upper hand in a fight from time to time. So the way you have to beat him is to make him realize that what he's doing is wrong. And that's what Superman does here. Yeah. You know, he says, look, I understand what you're trying to do, but Lois, she's not from Krypton. So does that make this Krypton? And Bizarro's like, oh, me save Lois. And that allows Superman to actually stop the missile. I thought that was really cool, because most of the time, Superman, he has to outthink someone like Mixie, someone like Luthor. When it comes to someone like Bizarro, he just punches Bizarro, and then he ends up beating him up in a fight, you know? But I, So I really like the fact that they're having him um, have to, uh, he, that he has to outwit someone, that he has to use his brain to defeat a brute instead of his own brute strength.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, outwit somebody with really no wits. Mm-hmm.
1: And th- that's harder to outwit someone like that, you know, because yeah. they may not they may not go along with. I mean, you, OK, think about it. if you're trying to outwit Bizarro and you, you know, he might see a spoon and be like, oh, spoon, me need soup. And next thing you know, he's sitting at a diner eating soup and he's not following you where you want him to follow you, too. Yep. you know, you got someone like Luthor, you can use his ego against him. Bizarro, you don't know what's going to take his attention. So that that's yeah. that's really smart writing. I know I say that a lot about this, you know, the, these these programs when I'm liking them. That it's smart writing, but that's what it is, and you, you really can't deny that.
0: Is it wrong that I laughed uh, at the line that set up the whole missile thing, where he's like, "Krypton, pretty." So sad, now it happened.
1: No, that's an awesome line. That is so
0: cool. Because if you watch this episode for the first time and you hear that line, you're like, whoa, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah.
1: Another one of my favorite lines comes from uh, that same scene when they're in the theater. And uh, he first brings Lois in and quote-unquote Crypto comes hopping up. And Lois is freaked out because there's this alien dog thing. She screams, and then the dog screams and runs away. And Bizarro starts following it, and he's like, "You scare crypto, but that's okay. Me forgive you." (laughs) It's just so (laughs) sweet. It's it's like this this guy, you know, he really can't hold a grudge. You know, you feel so bad for him. Poor Bizarro. Oh no. Oh, now I hate to I hate to bring it down to like the most base level, but that's sort of my shtick. So I have to do it. Now (laughs) at the Fortress of Solitude, I. I know people are going to turn the podcast off when I say this, but I have to say it because it was there at the Fortress of Solitude. You know, Superman's got his like little zoo, whatever. You notice, did you notice that one creature that was kind of flat, and kind of curved up and it had those two bug eyes? Yeah. Okay. Um, you might want to look at that again because it sort of had a vagina. Just look at it again. When it curves down, as the curved part of its body (laughs) is meeting the ground, there appears to be a vagina down there. And it's not its mouth, unless it's got two mouths. It was just a very weird thing that is there. And I'm sorry if I'm offending our listeners, but there it is. I'm not the one that drew it into a cartoon. I'm just the guy who points it out.
0: Oh my god, I've got to think of something. Uh uh Turpin, Turpin. Uh all the wackos come to you. <laughs> oh Oh no, I'm thinking of alien bug vagina now.
1: <laughs> no, I think this is Oh no, this is another one where Turpin doesn't have a lot of lines, but he's really funny when he does. And he's right. He's thinking out yeah. what we are thinking. Why do all the wack jobs Come to Lois. Think about it. Bizarro has come to her. Uh, Lightner has come to her. Lex, he's a whack job. He wants her. Um, I'm sure there's
0: Toy Man, Colton Metallo. Metallo, exactly. Uh. Jaxor and Mala, uh, Luminous, Joker. God, mm-hmm. the, the list is just endless.
1: So, who's next, Freeze? Someone important. Someone who feels safe, secure, untouchable. As my father once told me,
2: those who have the most must give the most. Those who have the most also have the most to lose, Mr. Wayne.
0: And finally up today in Gotham Nights is the episode Cold Comfort. Um, here we find out uh, Victor Freeze never reunited with Nora after she was revived, uh, which we found out about in Sub-Zero. She uh, Wayne Industries apparently helped her... Uh, Helped her uh, heal her illness, whatever she was suffering from. Um, now, uh, Freeze has just given up on life, really, and has dedicated what's left of it to destroying the lives of others by destroying or killing the thing or person most precious to them. Um, eventually, Freeze turns his attention to Bruce Wayne and specifically his surrogate family, uh, and even more specifically, his surrogate father, Alfred. Uh, Bruce tries to reason with him, saying that, you know, Wayne Enterprise has helped his wife, so why not him? But Freeze outright refuses and, you know, just backhands Bruce, uh, saying that, it you know, it's too late for him. And he blasts Alfred with the ice gun, and after a fight, they, they retreat. Uh, so Batman and Batgirl go after him, and when they get to his hideout, they find out why he refused Bruce's help from earlier. All that's left to Freeze is his head, and it's on this spider-like device. It's incredibly creepy. Uh, Freeze then leaves his hideout and tries to carry out his ultimate plan to make Batman feel what it's like to lose the thing most precious to him, Gotham City. He's going to basically drop a megaton ice bomb on top of it. So that's... And, you know, Batman has to go after and stop him. So what do you think about this episode? You know...
1: This one is another one that I,
0: I know is better
1: than I'm giving it credit for right now. But again, it just didn't do it for me. It's like the only, for me, the really only memorable thing in this one is the oh my god and the the freeze on the spider legs, his head coming around the corner. Otherwise, for me, the episode, again, is just there. I, I don't know what was going on, you know, with with me this week.
0: Well... I love this episode and it was this is, and again I haven't seen this episode for a long time probably a couple of years uh and it was really just as good as I remembered it uh I it doesn't have the deepest plot it really doesn't I'll I fully admit that it be basically freeze just freeze is just pissed off at life and he d- he wants to ruin everybody else's yeah, life Yeah
1: they're very random crimes
0: extremely random Yeah yeah I mean he first thing he does is he goes to this museum and he f- destroys this, uh, the, the skeleton of a, of a extremely rare dinosaur that this scientist has worked for years and years to uncover. And she's just, you know, reduced to tears. She, she could basically, basically kill herself there on that scene and it wouldn't have, you know, you probably wouldn't even bat an eye because that's what you could expect from the sadness that she's just irradiating there. Then the next one, he goes into this, uh, I guess this banquet for this artist who just painted his last picture. It's this huge, huge mural and Freeze destroys it. And again, the guy is just crestfallen. He, you know, his life, his, his greatest work has just been destroyed. So that's really what Freeze's motivation is this whole episode. Um, that said, I loved Freeze's new design, Mm -hmm. especially, uh, his facial expressions. When he's angry or sad, it really, it's just stunning animation. Uh, and I think even more, because he always has a scowl on his face, but when he, when he's sad, when he's talking about Nora, or, you know, or, you know, what happened to his body, it's just, when his eyes turn sad, it's really, you cannot look away. It, it's really just amazing animation. Now, along those same lines though, what did you feel about him Openly emoting. I mean, Freeze's whole shtick is
1: that he no longer has emotions. He no longer cares. But yeah, he's getting pissed. He's getting sad all the time. Now, granted, we've seen it before, but we're seeing it more here. That didn't bother you or anything?
0: No, it didn't. Uh, anger, I always excuse from Freeze because he hates everything. Mm-hmm uh sadness uh i excuse because he, the only time we ever see him really sad uh expressing sadness is when he's talking about Nora so uh and you know he you know we he can claim all he want that uh he doesn't he doesn't care anymore about life but he's still deep down you know he still he still wants Nora so i'm willing to excuse uh him expressing sadness as you know as long as he's talking about Nora phrase I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, how, what about Bruce being such a hard ass here? Not bad for a corpse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like. I do like that. That we're getting more and more of Bruce being really an asshole, mm-hmm. and you know that's more. It's more accurate to his comic book counterpart.
1: Well, I think, you know, you have to chalk it up to the fact that you know he's lost his son. You know, I mean, yeah. Dick's walked out on him. And he's none too happy. I mean, yeah, he's got Barbara there. Yeah, he still has Alfred. And yeah, he has, now has Tim. But Dick, that's the person he cared most about in life, is gone. But, you know, uh, sure, he just reintroduced himself to his, you know, back back into Bruce's life. But it's still going to be a very strained relationship. So he's going to be very hard on everybody that's around him uh, for a long, long time. So... It, it worked for me. It
0: really did. Shoot. I mean, it really, he's going to be like that until the very end of Return of the Joker, yeah. the movie. I mean, it's, that's, it's, that's, that's what, a span of 40 years, 50 years? Yeah, probably
1: closer to, four, yeah, 45, 50, yeah. How
0: would you like uh, Tim Drake's thing about uh, when Bruce is asking him why he failed a civics test? <laughs> yeah. That was Yeah, great. what's
1: he say? I, I don't, I don't care he's what like, a district you, attorney does or something.
0: Yeah, and Bruce is like, "You don't know the first thing about the American justice system, do you? I know it's bogus. And how did you come to that well thought out conclusion by watching yeah. you?"
1: And it's funny because the gag continues. You see, you know, Alfred goes to the door and he accidentally lets freeze and his his hench go or his hench girls in, and they're still having the conversation in the background. <laughs> and, you know, Tim's yeah. like, "Yeah, you're not exactly the model of due process." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, and Bruce is just like, uh, how'd you do on that math test? <laughs> yeah. I love it. He can go toe-to-toe with the Joker. He can judo-throw Superman. He can bring down Clayface. But when it comes to a little boy <laughs> and his logic, Bruce is the loser.
0: <laughs> Damn that logic.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that was very funny. I thought that
0: was great. Like we said, the, the moment that this episode will always be remembered for is Freeze opening up the chest plate on his suit and the spider... Leg, uh, the, the spider thing walking out with his head on it. Um,
1: well, it actually walks into
0: it. Oh, he yeah, you're right. right. He walks out from in. behind. Yeah, you're right. Um, see, so, yeah, I had that backwards. Same difference. Um, same difference. Yeah. So, do you? Do, where do you rank that in terms of? I don't know, maybe the creepiest moments or maybe just the coolest um, moments because it really is a very cool, very creepy moment. It
1: was one of those things where when I first saw it, my jaw dropped. It literally just hung open like, they are not doing that. And sure enough, they did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's 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 on a scale all its own for creepiness. I, I'm trying to think if Batman any of the other episodes in this series, if anything else in Superman, Batman Beyond, Justice League, anything can top this for sheer creepiness, and I just don't think it can. I mean, can you think of anything that can beat it?
0: <sighs> I, I, There's got to be something in Justice League or Batman Beyond that I'm just not remembering, but you no, know, right now off the top of my head, I cannot think of something creepier than that. I mean,
1: that. A, a, something else that comes close is finding out that Robin's little girlfriend is a part of Clayface.
0: That's true. That's
1: up there. That's up there, but that's still number two behind, you know, a a head walking around the corner on spider legs. Um, And I got to say, I love that scene so much that I actually bought the action figure of that. Um, Before Jen and I moved, it used to sit on top of my computer and unfortunately it's been packed up. I, I know what box it's in and I keep meaning to pull it out to set it back on top of my computer because it's it's cool because you have the body. Remember, Batgirl actually walks into what they then think is a spare suit? And mm-hmm. you have the body, but then there's also the spider legs, and you can take the head off the spider legs and put it on the body. And then the spider legs are just sitting aside. I wish they would fold up so you could stick them into the, the suit.
2: Oh, yeah. Do that, okay.
1: But it's still this yeah. really cool 3 part action figure, spider legs, head, and... The, the Freeze suit. It's awesome. In fact, I think when we're done recording, I am going to pull it out of the box and put it back on top of my computer. That's how much I love that thing.
0: I need to find that because I want ah. that. <laughs> that is cool. Uh, another thing that was really cool is when Batman tries to sneak up on uh, Freeze you know. inside, inside the airplane, mm-hmm. uh, and he pulls an exorcist yeah. and just turns his head around. <laughs> And punches him.
1: Yeah, I love how he throws. Ooh. He just brings his right arm up and over and just clocks Batman. <laughs> it's like this, like really awesome oh, punch. Man. But Freeze has enhanced strength in that suit, so especially now that he's yeah. fully robotic at this point, so Batman's really taking a beating there. I, I also loved when, uh like, how Freeze goes out of the ship when Batman ties him to the bomb. If the bomb yeah. drops and Freeze just gets yanked and then down. He pulled back and then straight down. It's it's sort of cartoony, but it's cool nonetheless. And I thought it fit the the episode and the animation style. Yeah. It's not slow at all. It's not like he's dragged out. No, there's no stopping it. There's this big bomb pulling him. Boom, down he goes.
0: Yep. And uh, what it amounts to is Batman killing what's left of Mr. Mm, Freeze. Yeah, he
1: did. That's a little thing. He did kill him. I mean, at the end, he even says... Uh, You know, I don't think we'll be seeing him again or something like that. I mean, of course, then they show the shot of Freeze's suit in the iceberg and the head's gone. The head missing. So we know he'll come back, but yeah, he he pretty much killed him.
0: Yeah. Now he doesn't, does he come back? In Gotham Knights, or is Batman Beyond the last time we see him? I,
1: when I when I meant comes back, I meant he would come back in the life of Batman, not necessarily that we would.
0: Well, yeah, um, I know what you meant. I was just I was asking, dude. I, I really, think, I can't remember if he comes back in. Gotham I really Knights. think
1: Batman Beyond is the next time we get him, because um, there's not a lot you can do with that character. I mean, when you first introduce no. him, it's all about revenge, and then you know, in the movie, it was all about, and I mean, not not the Schumacher movie. I'm talking about. Uh, Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero. It's all about saving his wife, and and here, now, it's just all about him ruining everybody else's lives. I mean, I thought this appearance was going too far. I love the redesign. I, As I said before, I think it's one of the creepiest things, if not the creepiest thing they've ever done. But, at the same time, I think, uh, you know, if, if we never had this cartoon, I don't think it would have been such a bad thing, because I don't like Freeze's motivation here. I don't like the I'm going to make you suffer and lose what you love thing. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe if we had seen him do more than a couple of people. Cause as you said, it's just the scientist and the, the painter and then Bruce. I don't know. I, I would have liked it if he was able to affect more people's lives than just those. Then I would have bought it, but he just hits a few people and then, oh, failure.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you, there's only so much you can do in 22 minutes. But so. they
1: could, I mean, they, they reference. I mean, they, okay, they they have a little thing on TV
0: where they show Freeze shooting his gun
1: on the street. Mm-hmm. You know, they they could have had a reporter come in and say other people that Freeze had screwed up over the last couple of weeks. You know, oh, there yeah. there was this uh, police detective. Oh, there was this person, and so on and so forth. They they could have added in, added in a few more. So. Uh, but anyway, speaking about uh, the, the television thing, and I- I'm trying to make a segue that's really not going to work here. So, fuck my segue, <laughs> it goes out the window. Did you notice that in the beginning, when the uh, scientist is being interviewed on television before Freeze destroys her dinosaur, did you notice
0: who the reporter was? Um, no,
1: I didn't. It's Jack Ryder, the guy who will become the Creeper. Really? really? Huh. Uh-huh. It's something where... I, what, what was I doing? Because I had already watched the episode and I missed it. Oh, you know what I was doing? Of course, you know, throughout the episode I have the the quotes that lead us into the episodes. I was looking for a quote for this episode and I happened to stumble upon that scene and I heard the scientist lady call him Mr. Ryder. And I'm like, oh my God, that's that's him. That's the guy who will become the creeper.
0: Huh, that so is I, cool. I can't believe I didn't notice a, that. It's a
1: nice little thing that they're just dropping in there so the character is pre-existing. It's not like... You know, when he does finally become the creeper, they just pulled him out of thin air. No, here he is. He, he's a living, breathing character in this world now ahead of time. So, mm-hmm. um, one thing that I always get a chuckle out a chuckle at in this episode is, uh, first off, freezes hench girls just having their fur coats that barely cover their hoo <laughs> Yeah. And,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> they've got uh, the, just with no, they don't, they don't even have anything covering no, their No, no, that's, that, that's what like. I
1: mean. That it comes down just past, you know, Mm-hmm. Well, no, wait a minute.
0: You said er, you can't say it now, but you said alien bug <laughs> vagina earlier. <laughs> Come on, man. You you're not showing any consistency here. <laughs>
1: How dare you call me on that? Um, no, you got a point. No, but I mean their, their skirts barely come down and they got their little boots on, but it's like they're they're still walking around Mr. Freeze's cold lair like
0: w- put some pants on, girl. So okay. yeah, and me- yeah, meanwhile these doctors that he's got uh holed up in there are freezing with full suits yeah, on. Yeah.
1: So I I I liked I liked the design of his henstrails. though I didn't get why they were all wearing sunglasses. But anyways, what I was going to get at before I started talking about their hoo-ha's was when Batgirl starts fighting that one she shoots her in the forehead with the tracer gun remember earlier she, she pulled out her little gun that had the tracking device thingy in it and she shot it at uh-huh. freeze's van that's how they're able to find freeze's lair when she's fighting that girl she shoots her point blank in the head with that thing and throughout the entire fight the little tracking device is stuck in her head there's a little Ooh. bat symbol like stuck in her forehead because <laughs> Batgirl shot her with it. It's hilarious. So I, I guess if it doesn't contain a bullet, it's okay to shoot people with. I don't know. I guess.
0: <laughs> oh, but
1: something we haven't mentioned is, of course, that Batman bleeds in this episode. Yes, he this does. a little trickle of blood that was uh, nice to see because, again, it shows uh, Freeze's great strength, and, again, it's setting up that this is a new, darker version uh, of Batman as if they could get darker than they were before. Um, I think the last thing I really want to mention about this one is um, a small gripe I have with that bomb. Freeze claims that when it goes off, um, everything within a 10-mile radius, I think he says, will be instantly frozen. But the bomb goes off in Gotham Harbor or whatever it is, and it just creates like an iceberg it doesn't like freeze over the entire like all the water in that area it just creates this giant spire of ice did am i nitpicking did you notice that
0: no you no i i see what you're saying um maybe 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 it was just that the batwing was uh not sized properly and it was really like 3 miles tall <laughs> i don't <know. laughs> there
1: was no batwing i don't even know what you're talking about <laughs>
0: What, where wasn't he? Heli- I mean, the helicopter. I'm sorry. I don't know what I don't know what I was thinking there. I've, I, there was something flying around it. Damn it! No,
1: because I'll even tell you why the size of it doesn't work for me is because when they pan up to show you Freeze's suit, Sans head, it's Freeze's suit is is barely contained by it. It yeah, doesn't right. look that big, and it's like this thing was supposed to, like, destroy Gotham, and here there's just this, like, little teeny iceberg sticking out of the water. Now, yes, I know that icebergs are technically huge, and we only see the tip of the iceberg, you know, and that
0: – Cliché right?
1: and that underneath there is this big block of ice, but I just – there wasn't any sense – of that. It just looked like it went off and then all of a sudden there's this 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 spire coming out and and that's it. We're just supposed to assume that that's all there is to this thing. I really would have liked to have seen it if the like almost all the way up to uh the city, like right up to the beaches, everything froze and then hey, what a coincidence. The city didn't freeze, just the beach did. I mean, that I would have preferred something like that than just poof, uh, a cube of ice in in the yeah. in the harbor there. So, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, now, oh, you know what? I lied. I did have something else to say about this one. Another gripe is, early on, Freeze has Batman point-blank. Point-blank, and Batman's like, what are you waiting for? And Freeze is like, not this time, not this way. Like, what?
0: what, what, what? Well, well, they explained that because Freeze wants, you know, Batman to see the city, you know, freeze over. Then and,
1: why didn't he shoot him uh, in the chest? Drag him along, and then hold him captive and force him to watch the bomb go off. Why let him go free? If he had him yep, like that, he yep. could have froze him and and you know. Well,
0: he probably would have died by the time he. Uh, uh, he would have died of hypothermia by the time you could get him, get the bomb up in that helicopter and well, get back to the base. Get in the helicopter, fly up, drop the bomb. He'd have died by Batman. that.
1: Man, he can't die of hypothermia. It's Batman. Jeez, he remember lightning powers, he's psychic, he he never suffers a concussion. Come on, he can't suffer from hypo
0: Oh and 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 toxic yeah, waste Exactly.
1: See if he can survive a toxic waste dump, he can survive a little chilliness, okay? Oh uh, speaking of people getting frozen though, Alfred was hilarious. After he gets <laughs> frozen and he's like in that like spa treatment thing, and he's asking, yeah. you know, Tim to get him a spot of tea and some cookies and stuff, that was great. I thought that was truly
0: funny. It <laughs> oh, was great. Tim's like, I want to go, I want to go, and uh, and uh, Alfred seems to be going along with it, like, oh, I don't need anything, except oh, yeah. <laughs> he's subtly helping Batman there.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, uh, anything else about this one before we move on to our
0: scores? No, I'm, I'm oh, good. Oh, you know, no, no,
1: no, I keep saying there's one more thing, and then... I, I pretend like that's going to be it. And then there is something Wild else after that. I really wish they would have explained how Bruce was able to justify taking Tim in. Because, it like, okay, we see him in Sins of the Father, and he's a street urchin. And here, he's living in Bruce's house. Freeze outright calls him his surrogate son. Freeze knows that this isn't, like, Bruce's kid. He knows that this kid's adopted or whatever. So it's it's made the news or something. I mean, how does Bruce justify taking a young boy into his house? And I'm not making a gag or anything like that. I seriously wish they would explain that. But they don't. It's just all of a sudden Tim's living with them and it's okay with everybody. But then again, how did he take oh, the phrasing of that one? How did he take yeah. Richard in, you know, all those years ago? I mean that's also suspect it's it's kind of this weird part of the batman mythos that you just have to accept at face value but it's still i'd like it to be explained a little that's yeah oh but anyways want to do our scores finally
0: uh yeah do you have anything else to say
1: uh no (laughs) oh wait okay
0: (laughs) okay (laughs) holiday nights I'm probably overgrading this one. I'm going to give it a three. Uh, you
1: know what? I agree with everything you said right there. Overgrading and three. Uh The Hand of Fate.
0: Hand of Fate. I'll get eh, right down the middle of five.
1: That one gets a four from me. Uh Sins of the Father.
0: Uh, shit. I'll give it a 6.5.
1: That one, I might revisit this score. Uh, I'm giving it a five for now, though. Uh, Bizarro's World.
0: Fun little heartwarming adventure. I'll give it a 7.
1: Um, I am going to give this one a 6, and I'll admit that while we were talking, I actually bumped this one up a full point. I initially wrote down a 5, but it, there was too much I liked about it, you know? So it, yeah. it had to come up. And lastly, Cold Comfort.
0: One of my personal
1: favorites, so I'll give it an 8. eight. Um, again, this is another one I may revisit down the line. Um, cause I, I realize I'm being a little harsh here, but I need to see it again. But for now it's getting a six.
2: You work with me, Tim. You follow the rules. Rule number one, you give me everything you've got. Rule number two, Then you give me more. And rule number three...
1: I make the rules. Watch out for that last one, kid. It's a killer. Dick, I would. Hey, no one can be a boy wonder forever. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on world's finest podcast, we'll discuss three episodes from Superman the Animated Series, Prototype, The Late Mr. Kent, woohoo! Yes! And Heavy Metal, and two episodes from Gotham Knights, Double Talk, and You Scratch My Back. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sim, saying thank you for listening to world's finest podcast.